Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. <laughs> That's all the wrong order. Whenever you are listening, it's Chantel here. Welcome back to the Black Women's Working Podcast. Hey, ladies. Black women's, yeah? Okay. Oh, let me start. It's women's. <laughs> It's black women. That's not a brand. Wow, Who is that? I'll start. Uh, I'm so confused. Okay, reload. start again. Reload, reload. All right. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening, welcome back to the Black Women Working Podcast. It's Chantel here. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hey. 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 Rachel, are you all right? What's going on with your voice? She's I'm an alien. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. That was like what thirty seconds in. <laughs> lay off, man. Lay off, Rach. She's still in it. She's thank you. In her birthing grace period, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, it's season six, ladies. Season six. How we feeling? Good, and I'm feeling good. I feel good. good. Always so happy. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. I feel fit. I feel confused. I'm gonna cut you lot <laughs> before you end up making mixtape. It's happy. I feel, I feel good. Thanks. No, I feel fulfilled. No. Um, we're acting like the show is just here for us. So, the point is. It's a brand new season, episode one, season six, 2022. We are so glad to be here. And um, as always, we are grateful for you joining us. If you are new to the podcast, stay in touch. Make sure you connect with us via our socials. That's at BWW Podcast UK on both Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us on our website, which is www.blackwomenworking.com. And for a more personal touch, you can get at us via email on blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. Woo! Always a bit of a mouthful. Right. So today's episode, whilst it's the first and we've, we've fought out a, a really, I wouldn't say, what's the word, tells what kind of season is it going to be? Um, better than it. the last season, um, oh. lit, fly, oh. stick, oh. hang, oh. Oh. letting, abundance, that's abundance, it. exactly, prosperity, that's it, yes, <laughs> that's it. Thank you. Preach, preach. All the words, all the words. You, which actually reminded me of, as you were saying that, um, the track Hang Black Girl. Oh, but a, I mean... A highlight of 2021. And um, it's not our intention to set out with a, a song track at the beginning of every podcast, but you manage it within the first three minutes. And today... I will allow you because we have a very special guest. It's taken a while to get to her introduction. But on the topic of music and black girls in music in the UK, I would love to introduce Estee Blue, our guest today. Hey, Estee. Hey, hey, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. Really looking forward to our conversation today. I am going to give you a brief introduction and I, I use the word brief loosely um I don't want to say too much because um there's there's some questions that I'd like you to answer which will tell us about who you are but when I headed over to your website to pull out a few bits and bobs to think how can I introduce you today my girl the the accolades and the achievements and the story it just went on. So excuse me if I miss anything that is dear to you, but today we are joined by Estee Blue, a Northwest Londoner. I don't think we have any Northwest representation in the house. So. South. Yeah. North Wheezy, North Wheezy. It's not every day South, South London. It is. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Sorry. <laughs> Estee is an artist who I, I guess like many started her career at the very tender age of six 
However, it wasn't until her teens that she really grew into her career as a jazz neo-soul and R&B um, artist of the UK. In August 2015, she was chosen by Sennheiser UK as the winner of Westfield Presents Artist of the Month with a performance that was streamed live on KISS FM. And there is so much more that Esther has um, gone on to achieve, including being a resident at the London Roundhouse. Um, and more notably, your attention may have been drawn to um, Estee Blue's work because she was, I need to get this title right, please help me out. You were the first ever artist to win the Development Fund from the MOBO Awards and Help Musicians UK, right? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yes, and I mean, before that and without that, there are so many other platforms and outlets that have recognised your work, including BBC Radio One, NMEs, you've worked with Mac. I mean, if I keep looking at your bio, we'll take up the artist there, the episode. So welcome, honey. And how are you? Thank you so much, Chantal. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. I'm really, really good. It's like, sometimes when I hear my bio, I think to myself, is that even my story? But um, you, yeah, is that yeah, you? is that me? But no, because it's it's been a while. Um, I guess yeah. But thank you, thank you so much for the intro. You're welcome. I mean, I miss loads. So please head over to Estee Blue's website, and I'm sure she'll tell you how to connect with her later because there's so much. Um, and I and I I had the pleasure of um knowing you a little bit outside of music, and sort of watching that journey I didn't realize um the time period that we met was actually quite quite critical in your music career so I ask you I, I invite you to answer the first question in terms of tell us about your decision or your journey stepping into the music industry as a UK artist yeah for sure um I'm like where do we start I think the thing that I realized um, was that just because you love music and you can do it, it doesn't mean that it's gonna be a career. And I think that just like everyone else, um, I didn't really know like the business of it. I just loved performing. I loved um, doing that, you know, ever since I was a child really, but I didn't actually know how to make it a full-time business. So, you know, when we met Chantel, um, I was teaching uh, and balancing that, um, you know, day job um, with my music career. And I think um, it got to the point for me where I actually couldn't balance both. Um, and it didn't really make sense um, to my music journey or to my teaching journey, actually, to, to do that. So I stepped away from teaching and really went for... Um, being more in the music industry in terms of, um, you know, how I made my money um, and things like that. But yeah, I think firstly, like it wasn't as clear cut as I think, you know, the X factors and the voices of the world make it seem like it's this really easy thing to just, you know, pop up tomorrow and have your face everywhere across the country and the world. It's like, it's, it's not that, it's not that easy. Yeah, I can, I, I, I can't even imagine. And with that, I mean, although you didn't you didn't say it, I know that part of the juggling and here at Black Milwaukee, we speak about um, passion projects into paid gigs a lot. And that idea of it's the beginning of the year, um, essentially we're still within the first quarter and people are like, oh, you know, I, I wanna push my passion. I wanna do something different, but we're so mindful of burnout in, in juggling those two things right ladies 100 percent. like yeah like, even me I was thinking recently like it was an internal crisis I was like how am I meant to do anything in life I'm just about waking up for work every day and it's rinsing me dry and then I'm supposed is to that be doing my passions on the sound. yes it is what's <laughs> your <laughs> <story>? <laughs> <Anyhow>. <laughs> but I was just like you're saying like 
yeah, this top end of the years when people think about food. Honestly, I don't regain equilibrium enough to think about it until maybe about April. And then I'm like, okay, I feel a bit more stable. At the beginning of the year, it's like crisis for like at least a month or two. <laughs> so I really understand that need to actually take that risk and decision to decide, nope, it's music. This is what I'm going to pursue and do or die. Let's see where it goes. Because we only get one life and one shot sometimes with these things. And it's better to have tried than to just always wonder what would have happened. Yeah, and I guess like what's the doubt there is, it's not necessarily an evil. It's like it's not evil. What am I saying here? I think I think the words that really resonated with me is that it wasn't doing her, her Estee's music career justice or neither her teaching. So you're kind of giving part and part to each and neither's getting mm-hmm. what it deserves in terms of its potential, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And it was it was a really difficult time to be honest. And then and you mentioned burnout and and I actually think that during my time as a teacher when we met like that was actually what I was going through so I had to you know I had to step back and really kind of prioritize like first of all what do I want to do Uh, and second of all what's conducive to to my health and I think in both industries what's not talked about enough is like how you sustain yourself and it's not just finance but just like life like how can I not get overwhelmed how do I make sure that my workload is manageable and in neither sectors is that appreciated or even discussed enough so that's difficult in itself boy you're you're pulling up a few threads and I'm like "Eh, I had questions but which way to go which way to go I think I'm thinking I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the fact that you have said um you said this is not the x factor that we see it's not the the voice things that we see and I think that's the beautiful thing about being able to have this intimate conversation with someone like yourself who's a a crucial part of your journey but like what are the things that we don't see as an artist I know there's so much you've just said you know the business end that you didn't even consider because it was just your passion you was pushing but like what are the things that that we don't see behind the scenes in terms of music and then I may come back to some of the other more general points you made yeah for sure that's such a good question and I'm just like where do we even begin um I would say that like marketing is I guess one of the biggest things that the general public don't tend to understand about music um and when I say that I mean that like how much money is invested by um you know entertainment companies or labels whether it be independent or major how much they invest in marketing so for example like you know if I wanted to shoot a music if I was signed because I'm not signed but if I were signed to a label and they wanted to um invest in a music video for me that could cost anything from, you know, £20,000, you know, right up to, you know, 50 or even in the in the six figures for certain artists. Um, and that's just shooting the video. We haven't even spoken about how we make, sh- how they make sure that you see that video every time that you log onto YouTube, how those videos pop up. Um, how those um, ads pop up in your social media feeds like that costs money as well you know and and for certain artists I would say like charting artists so those who get onto the top 40 that could be an extra 50,000 pounds spent on that promotional budget to just get it in front of your face so if we're already we're just talking about one asset a music video we haven't even spoken about how much it actually it costs to record we haven't spoken about that then we haven't spoken about how much it costs to tour like those are those are again the figures just keep rising and I think it's interesting um you know where I am as an independent artist I don't have access to those funds um you know because I'm not signed to to um a label or a major label um and it's just really interesting like you know how everyone thinks 
it's just magical and it's like no like first of all you need well over six figures to make any of this you know a national thing um so to be known like nationally in the country for example and then that also means you need a team of 20 perhaps 50 people to be working on your project you know and again that's all like marketing and making sure that the business is in place making sure that you know you're on the radio shows or you're on the tv slots um you're in the paper you know that your face is just there so um yeah I've said quite a few things and I've focused on marketing specifically because it's just like making the music is one thing but how do you see me and when we think about who has visibility um it's obviously going to be the bigger artists um who are signed to those labels and who are under those agreements and have the big budgets that can get them um in front of our screens and eyes um yeah I think I'll leave it at that um I have a point but is it does anyone want to chip in um I think I've never thought it was easy but definitely the figures that you've just mentioned are quite staggering like the one thing that was coming up in my head as you were saying is have you found it to be worth it <laughs> That is really interesting. Oh, I think it depends how you see your music. And I think for me, from the very beginning, because I was actually approached three times, um, probably around 2016 to 17 and 18 by um, a television company to be on one of these um these singing shows um and I really had to think about it but I said no because I wasn't interested in being that kind of artist um I was interested in using the voice um or the gift that you know I believe God gave me um to make music and and touch people and I think I wasn't really concerned with numbers um so I think when you are concerned with numbers um you know you'll always be chasing unreasonable metrics that change every year but if your goal is you know what I've been given this gift it's going to touch people it's going to move people's lives and as long as I do my job I'm good I think if you look at things from that perspective then it's like you know that is worth it because the goal was to touch people and to move people with my voice and it's happened and I think the the question is um maybe that you're talking about Tolu is like the business of music because that's so complicated is that energy worth it and um I think yeah I think just back to what I said it depends on what your what your goals from the beginning were you know and I think for me I've really had to um interrogate my own ambition do you know what I mean and say is this worth it and I'm like for me and my life yes it is but for other people you're crazy do you know what I mean like (laughs) um people who generally people who work in the music industry I always say they're mad because um it is a it is a crazy industry um yeah but like yeah for, for me it's worth it because I know like you know god forbid if you know tomorrow was my last day do you know what I mean I know that I've done I've done what I've needed to do and I've fulfilled the um assignment. Yeah, I've fulfilled the assignment. I think that's the best way to to put it, you know. I love that. I hear that. I respect it. I'm I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell back out actually. I'll come back in, but I'm gonna tell out. I think one of the when we had our um our sort of it may even be our zero episode, like who is black women working. And we deliberately said, you know, the our history, our our family, our spirituality, our race. There's so much about us that separates us from Bain. There was a specific, a specific reason why we decided to be Black women working. And I think hearing um, some of those numbers that you put forward, just, and that was just a snippet for one thing, <laughs> for one thing, you know, marketing for one video. 
those numbers can be quite scary. And as black women working, I think when we're pursuing our passions, we don't necessarily always have um, the, the same amount of finances um, to match the size of our dreams. And I kind of want to, I kind of want to chip into that a little bit in terms of, because it doesn't matter how much you, um, you start the year or whatever your season with an intention of saying, I'm going to go get it. There will be a number of hurdles. And I think for many of us, before we even put our foot out the door, the issue of security and knowing that we've got something coming in is probably the thing that holds us back before any of the other challenges, the financial side. Um, how, I think, I mean, I'm asking as a group of black women working, like how do we, or how do we suggest that our peers navigate their fears around what it means to make an investment in terms of something that's really important to you, especially if it's your God-given talent versus being safe? I think it's um, important to kind of maybe seek advice, um, having that advice from someone to kind of help you to navigate, maybe someone that you trust, especially if it's something that you don't want everybody else to kind of follow you in doing, but getting advice in ways to maybe navigate that financial aspect of it, especially if you know you want to put in large figures or if you haven't got large figures and you want to find a way to get large figures, getting that advice from someone I think would really help you in that um, aspect. Yeah, I agree with Rachel, like you definitely need to to talk to others, but I feel like you need to be careful who you speak to, because if you, I, me, my very nature is risk averse, right? I don't even think that's to do with profession, I just think that's how I've been born and raised. So if you come to me and you're like, yeah, I need X amount of money, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I'm going to take all my savings and put it and put We it know your response is, what do you need it for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that because someone's <laughs> telling me they want to spend their money. What's that? What's that got to do with me? So you said if someone came to me, they need money. But yeah, we but had this conversation before. Like, what you need it for? Yeah, but anyone who's I need ten k. I've got enemies. He's not coming. He's not coming to money. He's not coming to me for money. I'm not even being funny. Anyone with any kind of sense in their brain, they're not coming to me. So I'm asking: Are you sure you want to spend all your savings? So yeah, I didn't get that response. But anyway. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was thinking back to a previous conversation we was talking. It was either the insurance conversation or it was about earning more than your man. We had that one, right? Oh no, that's not. That's not. I'm talking about someone who's making a decision for their own life. That's not my business. Right, you mean right, if it was my man that said he wanted to be a singer and then he says he needs all this money, then I'd be saying to him, "What does he need it for?" <laughs> but I don't have a man. That's why people shouldn't listen to me. Oh, on the it's internet. not every day, anyway. Going back to your question, can you repeat it, the short form again? Because you guys answered it differently from what I was thinking of responding yeah, so, to it. So my thing was that when, we, when we're fronted with the numbers that, oh my God, if I really want to do this, it's going to cost this. How do we uh, as Black women navigate that maybe initial angst or fear? Because financially, I think our... Uh, maybe I'm speaking from personal experience, but I think mm -hmm. in terms of our network, if we compare ourselves to perhaps Asians, mm -hmm. the way they circulate money is very different. And so as Black women investing in our passions, um, especially with the numbers that SDA just mentioned, can be quite scary. How do we navigate that? I don't know how to kind of talk about it on that kind of scale, because really and truly, I have no experience of that. I've not even been there. But I kind of, I guess, have experience of it on a micro scale. So I'm a photographer, right? And that's not a cheap hobby to have. It's not really even a hobby. It's like in between half doing it properly, half, half doing it like as a hobby. And the thing is, camera equipment costs money. Editing um, software costs money. The, the laptop, the computers you're using cost money. Like I cannot even tell you how much I've spent. But the thing is, I've not even bought most of these things like brand new because I knew that just wasn't happening. It's not in a budget firm. It's not in a budget. So I've always just tried to find ways around it. And so for me, it's like um, 
trying to understand that there's more than one path to get to your destination so for me okay cool I couldn't afford all these things up front and to buy them brand new so what's the other option other options are I can hire these things other options I can get these things secondhand and most of the time I do get these things secondhand and that's kind of afforded me the opportunity to kind of grow in that hobby and talent and take those to places where I'm now getting paid um, for that skill that I've acquired over time and it's also knowing where to go to get the information that you need so there's YouTube for me specifically which I can use to get some tips on how to use certain things I've bought or what equipment would I need to upgrade to next or how to use certain bits of software now when it comes to finances on a mass scale like that I think I'm not really sure how people approach it. If it was me, I think I'd kind of reach out to immediate community, which would be family and friends. Hopefully they would be invested in my dream, even maybe half as much as I am or believe in it. But it is really tough. Like, like you said, we don't really have recourse to just kind of get funds like that from our wider community. And I actually do wonder how some people do it. And we know it's still an issue today with like even black people with well-established kind of small businesses and stuff can't even get investment from good investors it's very very hard I don't have the answer to that question like that's just it's just difficult yeah I mean I thanks I didn't expect an answer but I, I thought I'd throw it out there because you know there'll be there'll be someone listening who either for themselves or know someone who really wants to say right this year is the year I stop singing at church or I stop singing at Christmas for the family um what's the next step and just to throw it out there that we recognize that some of our some of our us our holdbacks or why we didn't are part of our limiting beliefs or part of our situations and just recognizing that that could be it um but that's not to say we can't get creative around it and um Estee bringing it back to you I wanted to ask you know along the same lines in terms of both practicalities and representation in terms of being seen in your work how helpful was it to be recognized by an organization as big as the Mobos I think for me that was incredibly powerful um and I think again it was part of my goals in in just the way that I like in terms of the way that like I want to be seen and the people I want to be in alignment with like the MOBOs was number one you know and since um I managed to get that fund um in 2017 I've been supported by them through their unsung artist development program and also have just built up my own personal relationship with the team and with Kanya um, I actually gave a talk with the new class of Mobo Unsung in January, which was like an amazing full circle experience because a couple of years ago I was on that program, you know, and I was wanting to learn more, you know, about the industry and further my career. And I think just generally as a black, you know, woman in the UK, like Kanye has achieved so much and she's always made room for us. Like her purpose and vision was to not give us the crumbs. Um, that you know other you know big platforms wanted to give us I mean they actually didn't even want to acknowledge that we were in the room but Kanye was like she had a vision for our community and that representation and making sure that it was beautiful um, and I really commend her for for what she's done because you know if you follow her story um, I think there was a point um, you know where she had to uh, you know remortgage her house um, in terms of funding um, you know the mobos and and we talk about investment as well um, you know we've just had a discussion about that and I think to to that question it's like you need to be willing to invest in yourself um, and you also need to be willing to invest in others as well um, and and yeah having that community support from the mobos was was for me it's like the biggest thing you know to be recognized by such a prestigious organization and to also put value on black organizations do you know what I mean because I noticed you know when people talk about you know who they get um you know their kudos from um sometimes they're not looking at black you know institutions and stuff like that for me that was the one thing <laughs> you know that if I could do something if I could you know achieve something that's like 
me having an amazing relationship with Kanye that's only growing as the years go on. Nice. Um, and just to sort of like compare the mobos to the broader industry and, and ladies feel free to, to chime in on your thoughts on this. I mean, without organizations like the mobos, if we compare it to other namely award shows like, uh, what's it called, the Brits? <laughs> yeah, I don't even engage, is it the Brits? <laughs> Rewards, that's it. Um, you know, how how much, I don't know, what's the question? It's like, how easy do you think it is for us to galvanize ourselves as a black community, as a collective of artists, when quite notably there is a gender divide, you know, the representation of women in the music industry. I think there was one year that the Brits got got slandered for not having any females in a certain category sorry I can't um I haven't referenced it accurately and then you know so not only is there a battle between genders but then we've got the issue of colorism and people saying you know the likes of I love I love their work but Ella and such getting more attention potentially because they are light-skinned girls in the game So my, my question was like, without organizations like the MOBOs, how easy would it be for us as a collective, as a community of black women in this industry? I think it just would be that much harder, you know, um, because I've seen it, you know, in the industry, um, you know, without a doubt that there's definitely a gender bias. And when it comes to black people in general, when it comes to black women um there is a hundred percent a preference for mixed race lighter skinned singers over um darker skinned um women so without you know Kanye flying the flag for the whole spectrum of blackness you know not even in just in terms of you know gender or or you know um skin tone but even in terms of genre you know being one of the first platforms to recognize Afrobeats and African music and jazz like we'd be we'd be so far behind um in terms of that representation because the mainstream platforms you know are not interested in exploring the full spectrum and and quite frankly the full humanity of what blackness means um for them they just like to pick you know in my opinion they just like to pick um, the elements of black blackness that suits them, you know, um, which tends to be quite male, um, rapper heavy. Um, and then also, like I said, when it comes to the woman, um, you know, there are rarely, you know, I can really just count still over the past 10 years on one hand, the amount of dark skinned black women that have been given, you know, um, national attention. Um, yeah, so the mob is, is is super important. Thank you, honey. Um, any thoughts on that? Especially, um, I mean, we didn't we we didn't chime in too tough on uh, Sandy Newton's commentary uh, earlier this year on being so apologetic as an individual for it. We don't care. We don't care. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the tears were too too much. Too, the tears too much. were tearing him for what? No one. No one. We no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Andy yeah. has never stolen a man. She's never taken a man from me. <laughs> um, that's what it always comes down to, Natalie. The man yeah, always comes down. Like, <laughs> just get your facts correct. Yeah. No. Yeah. On, on a serious level, I think that. Um, <laughs> I, I. I think that. It is, it is quite sad, but I, I don't know where we get to where we can kind of move out of kind of this systematic discrimination where we don't seem to, this is, I say, you can correct me if you're wrong, but from the outside looking in, it seems like black artists or black organizations don't really seem to hold the same power that mainstream white owned organizations have. And so it seems like in a weird way, in all different types of art forms, we're always looking to a white male to give us a cosign or a sign off or a, a bring in. And it seems quite, and I think that, that's the thing that everyone I believe kind of loved about the MOBOs was that 
it had none of those kind of external pressures. It was just an authentic opportunity for us to be celebrated in a in a credible way. And so taking it back to Tandy's comments, I, I just feel like she just, if you're really that sad, like make a donation. If you're really that sad, turn down a role. If you're if you're really that sad, um do something instead of crying on Sky News, which is bizarre, to actually provide support for these dark-skinned women that you stole jobs from or stole men from. I feel like a lot of what happened on Sky News really should have been in a counselling session. So um, that's neither here nor there, but essay, it would be good to see like how you feel, because I know sometimes in my industry, when I look at brochures or I look at articles it's just always seeing the same white male at the top or same white female at the top who is making decisions for everyone like how much of a role does that kind of structural I don't know how to say it, like kind of because it's a problem but it, it is a structure I don't want to give it up implication by using the wrong words that that structure is acceptable but how does that kind of structural landscape impact your your career on a day-to-day basis yeah so I think that um you know I I always want to be really you know really honest when I when I talk about it like it's a big problem you know we don't have enough black people let alone black women in massive positions of power and what I've tended to notice even with my career is that um it's hard to get into those big organizations and what black people especially women end up doing they just lean into entrepreneurship so that they can create their own systems and their own um, rules and their own metrics um, and their own power so that their voices can be heard and there's an amazing report that I'd love you know for people um, you know at home and for yourselves to read um, done by Black Lives and Music which was actually the first report ever on the experience of black musicians and industry professionals in the UK and that was released um, I believe it was either last October or November um, and the company's headed up by an amazing woman called Sharice Beaumont and it actually listed all the data um, in terms of how black artists and industry professionals have faced barriers Um, in their career due to their race, due to their gender, um, and for those who have disabilities, you know, hidden or, you know, or visible, that that's been an extra layer of of hindrance in terms of moving their careers forward. So I think, honestly, um, the key for Black women is to, I think, you know what, there's a space for women in those organizations to make change, but I honestly think we'll be dead by the time those those um, changes come into effect. So I'm interested in more us building our own narrative and, ch- and taking ownership. And I think that, you know, it is scary going back to the questions that that were being asked around like budget and things like that you know 50k on the music video like that's someone's salary do you know what I mean or that's two people's salary but the way we get around it is by validating ourselves for ourselves um really you know you should be giving yourself metrics um and not depending too tough on the industry and whatever they decide to do um because I honestly think as well, when you think back to like, you know, where music came from, it came from black culture and black women, especially were an integral part of it. So how is it that you're erasing me from the narrative of my own culture? Like, does that make sense to anyone? You know, so I think, again, back to the Mobos, back to Kanye, um, you know, making that her life's mission, you know, the Mobos is, is 25 years old this year. Do you know what I mean? For 25 years, she's been making space you know, for our community to be celebrated. And I think that's what we should be invested in. You know, I I almost think, you know, forget what the major players are doing. Like, yes, I can learn some great business skills from them, but they're not going to teach me anything about my culture or my spiritual system. Like they're not because it doesn't belong to them. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I always think like, you know, we should be investing heavy time, energy, emotions into, into our own. And if, if people want to join the party, fantastic. And if they don't, then that's cool. I think what you're saying resonates 
<clears throat> with me in the sense that I feel like that's already happening kind of on the entertainment side of things in terms of um, maybe content creation and um, film shows, those kind of things. Not, <clears throat> not so much in the UK, but I would say in the US. So maybe when we look at people like um, Issa Rae, um, she's part of a group of people, part of a cohort, and people like Quinta Brunson as well, who kind of just made their own stages and their own platforms because they weren't able to kind of enter those spaces, the predominantly white spaces, at in um, in the ways that they wanted to, and kind of get the experience and the range that they wanted to. So what do they do? They set up their own platforms and things, and they kind of just pursued it in that way. Now that's not to take away from the fact that. Um, say for example it's a race she had a very kind of um, she had a good education right she came from a good background you can't kind of ignore those privileges within that but um, but it's just to say that um, it is possible to kind of create your own um, platforms your own communities and kind of step away from that um, mainstream um, institutions and kind of just do it for yourselves but it's something that will take time and it is something that will take collaborative effort and people all wanting to be on that journey together. Um, but one of the things that the UK like endemically suffers from is I'll call it brain drain, which is like our best talent leaves and goes to the US because they ain't shit, sorry, here in the UK for them. So I think it's also gonna be a piece of work where it's trying to motivate people to like, hold on just for a little longer, see what we can do collectively together in terms of taking these industries further, especially for us as black people and being able to kind of um, create um, institutions of integrity that are well-respected and um, ones that are not you know, beholden to the, I don't know, I don't know what the equivalent in the music industry is, but I'll say the BBCs and the and all those kind of major broadcasting platforms. I don't know, maybe it's the main radio stations in the UK. Does anyone still listen to radio anymore? I don't. I listen to Spotify. So maybe it's kind of like those kind of institutions. Well, let's not talk about Spotify. But that's just my thoughts on it, on like how you can turn the situation around. I don't know. A hundred percent. Like, Tolly, I'm I'm with you. Do you know what I mean? And I think Black Americans have set up a blueprint. And again, you know, because I guess they had segregation, which wasn't the best thing in their history. But I always say that they had an opportunity to build things for themselves. Um, again, not to say that that wasn't tampered with and that wasn't, you know, um, targeted, but they had an opportunity to establish um, you know, their own literature, their own films, their own ways of, of growing their art forms in a way that like in our UK history, because of migration and stuff like that, we haven't really had that chance. But I think what the internet age, you know, the social media age with the content creators and what we're seeing from them, what that provides us is that right here, you've got the tools, do you know what I mean? It may not be 50,000 pounds to spend on a music video, but hey, you know, you can live stream me tomorrow, you know, or even today, right now. Do you know what I mean? You can access me right now. Like, let's do it. And I think that's where I would love to see artists put their thinking behind because I feel like, you know, and again, it's a mindset thing. It's a thing of, of education. Also, it's a thing of, again, what are your priorities? Some artists, you know, that I've met, unfortunately, they just want to be the only Black person in the room. Do you know what I mean? They don't care about the black community, you know, they just care about furthering their own pockets and furthering their own um, agenda and not reaching back out and pulling us along with them. And for me, I'm not about that. And I think we can see very clearly in the industry who is for and who isn't. Um, I always think like Stormzy is an, a, an incredible example mm -hmm. of someone, you know, who for the first time in my lifetime have, has seen that level of community um, and him pouring resources back in. Mm -hmm. And I think if there were a lot more artists who did that, then we wouldn't be begging. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just hate to see us begging, you know, and it's not easy. Do you know what I mean? It's not easy because when you don't beg, for example, like Little Sims, I think she's an incredible example. Oh my gosh. Of, my heart. You know, 
Yeah, and you know what? A funny story is that me and, me and Sims used to dance together, you know, when we were teenagers. And she was doing that back then when we were age 13 or 14. So to see her, like, you know, nearly 15 years on from what she was doing back then, just be on, on an incredible trajectory, is it's so inspiring. But again, it took her 15 years. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that was when she was just performing. It doesn't even take into account, like, her childhood and how she spent that you know but I think you know 15 years to only then be recognized nationally does everyone have 15 years in them do you know what I mean to to really dedicate to that no you know the honest truth is some people are like you know what I'll try this for two years and if it doesn't work ugh, I'm gonna yeah. go get a day job mm-hmm. you know what I mean and that's perfectly fine as well do you know what I mean I'm not trying to shit on people's um you know personal situations because I don't know but you know to be able to pursue your passion actually is um stamina. yeah it takes stamina but also it's a privilege do you know mm, what I mean not everyone yeah. has that privilege not everyone has that financial um flexibility to say okay I can I can take this amount of my income every month and invest it in myself then I can take the time to go and run up and down the country or do you know what I mean like fly fly to another country to go and meet these people not everyone has that that um you know luxury so yeah but I think like as a community if we can all get to a place where we understand and we value ourselves and our art and what each one has to contribute then I think we'll be in a lot more of a better place but I think right now yeah we're not really there but we're getting there you know (laughs) okay oh my god I'm, I just, I take in these episodes like a listener, not just a contributor, you know. <laughs> and um, whilst we've had Estee here with us, um, because she is an artist, and to give us a little bit of insight into the music industry, I just feel like this conversation has offered so much more. And unfortunately, as always, there's a point where we've got to wrap up, and I'm at that point now. But um, I think in terms of what we we plan our seasons in line with the season, like where we're at, where the world's at, where where our people are at. And we thought really carefully about how we can bring our discussions to ultimately our theme of the year, which is working on me. And there's three things that I've taken from listening to the conversation this evening. And I would say one, Um, it's the idea of literally like knowing who you are and what you want and that question um, when told when you said but was it worth it I think so many times we think about worth in terms of the tangible outcome like was it worth it what did you get where are you and as they answered the question in two parts she was like on this front on this front but also it was worth it for me because I know why I'm doing this. So the whole idea of knowing yourself in, in leaning towards our theme and working on me is so important. I also heard tonight, be brave. Like, and, and bravery, there's bravery in so many steps for us because it's not only being brave and being the authentic you that you are, but then it's being brave to stand up against the challenges that come before you've even started. And then when you get your foot through the door, navigating that and one thing that I feel like we haven't actually spoken about that's come out from tonight's conversation which we've heard over and over is invest invest like you've got to think about you know where you're spending money saving money investing money and investment isn't just about money it is about you know investing in yourself taking the steps taking the time but those are the three messages I took from today and I think it's the perfect opener for a new season. Um, it's the perfect messaging in terms of what we're saying about, you know, it's been a rough two years. <laughs> I have to say it like that. It's been a rough two years. Yeah, but yeah. really taking the time to, to, to shine because it's just such a travesty to even sit back and think we're fighting to be in industries that we created. Like... Oh music came from us and now we're fighting to be it that's mad it's mad um but we yeah, will... but it's funny like but it, it, it's funny because I feel like we've always 
we've always been fighting always my last I has to fight no stop it stop it stop it um stop it ladies ladies I've actually got a a question for you just of what um Natalie said like about the fighting like I think even where I'm leaning into is like I just want to rest yeah exactly and also I want I want (laughs) that is you know soft life life. you know but um yeah I wanted to like I think even where my music is is moving towards it's about um healing Mm. do you know what I mean because like when I spoke about the purpose what is the purpose of music like you know it's it's for healing it can be for art and it can also be for entertainment but I think we miss out the healing element and where I started singing was in church do you know what I mean? And and no one can tell you the feelings that you get when you step out of the church um, and what that does for your soul and your spirit. So for me, that is at the core of how I want to be intentional in my music because it, it's about healing. And I think that's often what we miss out of the conversation when we talk about um, music and how it's been, you know, commodified. It's like actually as a community, how do we use it? We need to define those narratives, you know? So yeah, yeah, that's just my my two pence on that. No, I think that's a very good two pence. Giving a very good two pence. On that note, see what I did there. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> that, is whack. that joke is whack. But okay. I'll take it you're out. not the comedian here, so don't try. Continue. I'm tea. I'm tea. <laughs> Um, uh, no, 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 no. I can't say dad joke, so it had to be an auntie joke, innit? Which one is auntie? Oh, oh, you're calling yourself an auntie. But, okay, but my grandma also says if the chicken throw the can, if you throw the can, then the chicken will peck. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I was actually inviting Estee to tell us where we can find your music yes, yes, and engage please. in this healing entertainment and art. Yes, um, so I'm Estee Blue on everything, that's E-S-T-E-E-B-L-U, so I'm on all the socials at Estee Blue, and then obviously my website, Um, but I'm also going to be finally releasing a new project towards the end of this year, okay. coming back from a two-year hiatus, two-and-a-half-year hiatus, however oh, long wow. it's been. Yeah, coming back and, and you know, sharing all my sto- stories of healing and, you know, what what, what that looks like um, for me, but also for us, you know, as Black women. I think that's really important. I love it. Well, as I said, sadly, on that note... We are going to tell this is like the first episode that we're recording. Honestly, do what we need to do. I've I've done all the socials, so once again, you can find us at BWW Podcast UK. We're so glad to be back and look forward to speaking, listening, whatever you again. (laughs) Fumbled it. Fumbled it. (laughs) (laughs) Night. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.